Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Here's Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. So this is a news person that can speak how many different languages? Uh, I don't know how many he is capable of speaking, but this is uh, Philip Crowther of the Associated Press. And uh, I believe this is all from one day. He did reports in six different languages. Beaucoup de, de partisans de Donald Trump. Uh, this is French. Beaucoup de, de partisans de Donald Trump, en fait, lui croient quand il dit que l'élection présidentielle lui a été volée. This could very well. Here this in is English. Northern, in Northern Thank you for that. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> und dann spürt man beim Präsidenten doch auch den Druck von Mitgliedern seiner eigenen republikanischen Partei. Luxemburgisch. Uh, you're looking that's a little, obviously it's a German dialect. You're looking a little Luxemburgish today, to me, so I don't know. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. You'd think with mad skills like that, he'd have a more profitable gig than an AP reporter, Reuters or whatever you said. And pretty fluent, apparently, because it seemed like right there he was like answering a question from 
the six anchor. Germans. Yeah, the yeah. jobs killer. That used to be six different people had that job. Now, yeah. ooh, ooh, look yeah. at me. I speak all the languages. Show Mark off. on him. <laughs> As we've talked about before, your brain either can do that or it can't. And, yeah. and if you're, I could try. Is I could dedicate my life to that, and I and I couldn't make it. I happen. always wonder what no. language they think in. It's got to be their most native yeah. one, right? But I, I wonder if they dream in. Yeah. I, I've heard of. I was just reading about that the other day. Who's the uh, the the Samuel Beckett, uh, Irish Nobel Prize winner for literature? He moved to France and did all his writing in France, so that he could think in French because he thought more clearly in French than he did in. English, which he spoke what? in Ireland. Yeah, and so what the hell does that mean? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. And it's not like the guy was saying which way to the train station. <laughs> I mean, right. you got to have a pretty decent vocabulary to be reporting on what sounded to be a political story. Um, uh, so El, Donald El Trumpo. I got three things to get to on this podcast. So that's one of them. The other one is we we're talking about the consumer. Man, there's the pain in my back. God dang it! Ugh, explain that in a second. I think. Um, We're talking about the Consumer Electronics Show, which is kind of going on. It's more or less canceled, but they're sending out lots of videos and Zoom calls to the reporters. It's a a never-ending Zoom call. Sounds fun. (laughs) But a couple of things. uh, So Samsung (laughs) Samsung showed off a set of robots designed to help around the house, if you consider ripping my head off help. Um, I heard an article on uh, a report, it might have been NPR, where they were talking about this uh, the British robot that can prepare and cook 5,000 different recipes. It's got all sorts of sensors and cameras and the rest of it. Wow. And I guess you probably have to put the carrots and onions and, and yeah. meat in front of it, but then it does all the work. Now, that I would like. The food bot, that would be groovy. One of the, the meals it can prepare? Human. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, you got it. It's at the end of the recipe book, but it's there. <laughs> there's a there's a, uh, a little clip on that page too. The robot put it there. <laughs> there is one more recipe you have yet to try. <laughs> and... Oh, really, Cookbot? <laughs> What's that? Hold still. Read, uh, read, read, read. General Motors, GM, took a giant leap, showing off its concept for a flying car. How has this gotten buried? Is there a video of this? The flying car. Or is it just a bewheeled helicopter? And what's the difference? Anyway, so getting me to my back pain, one of the things of the Consumer Electronics Show is what they're calling the Ultimate Gaming Chair, which has got a rolling wraparound display. So it's like a a, a nice-looking office chair, and it's got a computer screen on it. Well, I got led into a, a computer cha- screen. It's a 180 degree panoramic view. You can, oh my gosh, I can, the peripheral vision I can get when I'm battling teenagers on the internet and my games would be unparalleled. That does- yeah, nice description, Jack. It's like calling the Grand Canyon a hole. Come on, man. <laughs> it's a chair with a screen attached. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> Turn on him, everybody. Michael. I was just trying to move on to the next part of my story. <laughs> Which is how I came to buy this chair I just bought. So I kind of, uh, I, I came across an article about the ultimate gaming chair, which actually didn't have any electronics involved. It was just about being the most comfortable chair if you're going to sit in it for a long time. And it was something called the Eames chair, or is it Ames? Eames? I think it's Eames. Have you ever heard of that? Eames? Eames no. So no. I was completely unaware of it, and I ended up going down this rabbit hole, and now I know something about something that I didn't know anything about. 
The Eames chair, invented by a husband and wife named Eames in 1956, took the world by storm. You'd know one if you saw one. It's It's got this kind of futuristic, remember the, fut, the, the furniture of the 60s and 70s? You know, we're the same age, so you probably sat in some of these kind of weird-shaped plastic chairs, maybe even in school. They sure. Looked, they looked, like, futuristic. And for some reason, we decided those were bad and moved away from them. I think stylistically more than anything, a bit. The Eames chair is considered one of the most um, uh, important um, artistic... Um, I'm, I'm, there's a word I'm missing. Style. Uh, one, one of the most important stylistic things that happened in the entire 20th century. Is it, yeah, how do you spell it? E A M E S. You'll see it, and it's okay. a very, it's a fairly normal looking chair. Well, I got the computer right in front of. Oh, yeah, that's a good looking chair. Dang. So now that I'm aware of the Eames chair, they're very expensive. A real one is very expensive, six thousand dollars for a real one. Now, the, the, they were made starting in the 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 fifties all the way through the sixties. That company stopped making them. Another company started making them exactly the same way. They were expensive back then. They're expensive now. Now that I'm aware of one, and I've seen pictures, Frasier sat in one, you know, in the TV show Frasier. Tony Starks has one in his uh, Iron Man movies. It's 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 like a Rolex watch or a Mercedes. It's a it's a sign of look, I'm wealthy and I've made it. That yeah, I guess a seven thousand dollar chair that would have been lost on me. I wonder how many times I've been in somebody's house or whatever, and I've seen one and like didn't mention it because wiped a booger on it or something. Yeah, I, I freaking <laughs> had no idea. What's would what? you like to sit, Jack, in this chair? And you're like, nah, I'm fine. I'll um, stand. But so I came across this article saying it's the most comfortable chair ever uh, developed, and I did some reading about it, and then I came across an article of uh, best knockoffs of the Eames chair because I'm not going to spend seven grand on a chair or anything even close to that much money. But so uh, then I uh, oh uh, similar at the same time I go onto Craigslist and uh, I just I, t- I just typed in chairs and then went highest to lowest price and I came across um, a used knockoff a used Chinese knockoff of the Eames chair and that yes. is and that is what I bought um, and uh, according to the reviews and everything it's exactly the same dimension specifications build technique as the real thing lots of great reviews on it all i know uh, is this did you run into barbara boxer while you're dealing with the chinese there so anyways eric swalwell dropped it off well yeah (laughs) it was on actually actually you know this the chinese when they want to make stuff perfectly that's one of the ways they're ripping us off they they steal all the information about you know a nike driver and they can build one every bit as good and sell it for cheaper around the world or, or with this, you know, they put Nike on the side of it. But they're they're capable of doing that. Musical instruments, all kinds of different stuff. They're great at if they want to be. Not just the cheap crap that they sell us, but they can build stuff really high quality for cheaper because they have slave labor. Anyway, that's why I was hoping for with this chair. And I bought one, used Craigslist, brought it home last night, watched Apocalypse Now. Not the whole thing; it's too long. But I probably sat in the thing for an hour and a half, and I have back pain today like I've never had in my life. Like I'm being stabbed. Wow. Like a completely new kind of back pain, different than anything I've ever had. Like somebody's got it like a robot that was supposed to cook me a meal, stuck a knife right between a couple of my vertebrae, and is just wiggling it around. Now, come on, China. For sitting in my cheap Chinese knockoff chair. Was it uncomfortable as you were sitting in it watching the movie? A little bit, yes. I was trying to deny it. 
I was trying to pretend it wasn't true, oh, that boy. having spent some money... And <laughs> the little emperor's time new back pain. Yeah, exactly. China! <laughs> yes, I was trying to pretend, no, it's just uh, you know, it's just taking some getting used to. All right? I must have been sitting funny. No, this is comfortable. This is perfectly I, I comfortable. I think we have come to a real-life example of why I feel polling, Q&A-based polling, is, is dead and does not work. Because you are Mr. If people would just stop buying... Chinese crap, yep. pay up a little bit, yep. get the good stuff. It's, yep. it, it lasts twice as long, sure. but then when presented with the actual actions to do, <laughs> what do you do? Like, oh, good. We're turning on Jack again. This is yeah, fun. No, yeah, absolutely. That's, that, was the, that was the secret theme of the podcast today. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, yeah. It's it, I would not. I wouldn't even have thought that you could design a chair that would give me the pain I've got <laughs> if that was your goal. <laughs> designed in East Germany in 1968 or, or China now, right? Yeah. Well, now uh, here's just a devil's advocate question. I know if if somebody, maybe it's your mom or yourself, you decide, God, my posture's terrible. In fact, even as I started that sentence, I was slouching, and now I've straightened my back. If I sit with good posture. For the next three minutes, it will hurt. Maybe that's it. I, I just wonder if the thing uh, straightened you up, you know, and you just, you, you're not using those muscles, and that's why it hurts. So, what is my lesson here? Don't buy cheap Chinese knockoffs of anything? Maybe that's the uh, lesson. I, I guess, or just sit in it for the next four nights in a row, and either you'll have great posture Call or you'll be ambulance. crippled for life. <laughs> Call an ambulance to come pick me up. You got to take it to the wall, man. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty show. Armstrong and Getty. Somebody just texted this. It's pretty funny. The Chinese spy who slept with Swalwell and that old... Yeah, that fat old Midwestern mayor or whatever he was. Must feel pretty dumb knowing she could have just walked right into the Capitol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, man, I slept with Swalwell. I could have walked right in. <laughs> He's a handsome enough guy, a charming. Uh, so, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. The, the... Sound kind of like you want to do him. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. What, is this a high school basketball team or Locker room banter? <laughs> what the hell, man? You're better than that. Why don't you marry him? I think I, I think I just needed some different flavor from everything we've been talking about. I think that's yeah, what happened I know. there. I know. So we were just chatting off the air uh, about, uh, well, and off the podcast about uh, the the angry reaction of the show, the live show we did today, which was about the uh, the storming of the Capitol. It happened yesterday as we record this. Um, and, and the various angles, we, we spent the whole show discussing it and got a lot of angry emails and texts and that sort of thing. Also quite, quite a few very nice and supportive and pleasant ones too. But, um, and Jack uh, said, I wonder how many listeners we actually lost today. <laughs> and I don't want to lose listeners. Oh, and I'm so not, of course not. I'm not cavalier about that at all. Um, but if I were to believe texts and tweets, it's, Certainly three digits, and that's just people who, you know, took the time to express it. I'm sure there are people who are like, screw this. Um, you're going to say that about Trump. I'm not listening anymore. I've done that with shows. I've done that with sports shows. I've done that with talk shows. Just like, yeah. I remember every once in a while I'd do that with John Stewart on The Daily Show. I'd think, all right, that's too much. And I'd be out for like a week. I'd usually come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's, uh, and, and then I replied that I'm glad I don't know because that, the minute you become too concerned about that sort of thing, you can't do what we do the way we do it. Maybe we ought to do something different. I don't know. Some of you think so. Um, 
And I was reminded, it was funny, it just popped into my head during the years of me playing live music. You're way better off with a lighting system where you can't really see the audience. Oh, I've no, I've known that's true. With our speaking engagements, I've known that. Between, yeah. If I can't see, you know, somebody looking at their watch or scrolling through their phone, I'm better off. Getting open mic flashbacks. So <laughs> when you're when you're up there and and your point is a good one, it's a good example, but when you're playing music and you can't really see the audience cuz the lights, you assume everybody's digging it. And you play with confidence and personality, and and you let it rip, and you probably went over the audience. But if you're if you can see the audience, and you see the one person rolling their eyes, and the other guy getting up to take a pee during your best song, <laughs> and the rest of it rattle the hell out of you, and you play worse. Yeah, and the weird rough. thing about human nature, you don't notice the ninety percent of other people that are actually grooving and digging to the tune, which True is a, well fantastic ratio. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, so anyway, but yeah, it's fine. We talked about this on the air. If you dig it, great. If you don't, we understand. I just well, I don't. I, we we simultaneously get like a scale of one to five. What do you think of the show? And we will simultaneously get it's horrible. It's the best thing ever, and then three like in between, and the two that are sort of in between disagree vehemently with each other. So what to do with that data? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go so far to even say it's fine. It's just, what's the alternative? There's no alternative. It, the alternative used to be you'd go to the mailbox and, you know, you'd get a letter now and again, this sort of thing. Now we get thousands of emails. Oh, it's the old saying. Text. It's easy to please all the people all the time. Wait, no, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> you got it wrong, Sean, idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The capital storming compares to the Glywitz incident. I don't know what that is. I don't either. Reichstag um, fire, you hit me with that, I know that one. Right. But, uh, uh, this reminds me of the false attack that, ah, the Nazis perpetrated on a Polish radio station in 1939, mm. just across the border. That's right. That's in the rise and fall of the, uh, the Third mm. Reich. Right. I do uh, remember Nazi that. Germany. Now. In now 19, that you it. In order to have an excuse to invade Poland. I'm not saying that's what happened. It just reminds me of that. There's actually some vaccine uh, news that came out, and I was all ready to go with today until, you know, the craziness happened. Um, I'm exhausted by this. Yeah. Exhausted. Well, it's it's a lot of, uh, I mean, here, here you go. And we may mention this on the show tomorrow. Uh, forgive us if we do. But um, And then uh, Megan, the physician's assistant from Dallas, uh, got the second shot now. The, really? The dose okay. of the second shot. Uh, got it Monday. Uh, very easy. The shot itself was fine. Tuesday morning, I woke up feeling like I was coming down with the flu. Mild chills. Just not feeling great. This progressed over the course of the day Tuesday until I was just feeling like crap, chills and fatigued. Thankfully, I had a short day, was able to go home early. That afternoon, I popped a temperature of 100.3, took Tylenol, the fever, as well as most of the symptoms subsided. I uh, woke up Wednesday feeling 100% again. Uh, just a bruise on the arm. And she sent a picture of her arm. Nice guns, Megan. Clearly, you work out. Well done. Probably has got something to do with the fact that she sent the picture of her arm. If you had the bingo wings, you might not send the picture. You'd probably hesitate, or you'd take two or three angles till you came up with the right one. Why is that a primarily woman thing, the bingo wings? Just where they store fat, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Just yeah. like men, yeah. primarily in their belly? Sure. Yeah, you don't see a lot of guys with, like, really heavy thighs, for instance. It's just a, you know, okay. a man woman. Of course, there's no such thing as men and women. That's all socialization right there. That's societal <laughs> pressure that causes men to store fat in their belly. 
because they're told that that's how a man should behave. It's really, it's toxic masculinity through fat. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Here's Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Tim Sandifer is the vice president for litigation for the Goldwater Institute. He is the author of several excellent books, including more recently, The Ascent of Jacob Bronowski, uh, Frederick Douglass, Self-Made Man, and one of my all-time favorites, uh, The Right to Earn a Living. Oh, plus The Permission Society, which was inspired, he says, by conversations on this very program. Uh, he is our smart friend. He condescends to speak to us. It's Tim Sandifer. Hello, Tim. Hey, thanks for having me back on. Oh, it's our pleasure. According to your avatar, you're still bearded? Yes, that okay. is right. Nicely trimmed this morning. Fantastic. Good lead question, Jack. <laughs> Would you like to follow that up? Yeah, and actually, this is a pretty good lead question. So I'm looking at this poll that was taken right before Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death, asking the public, how do you feel about the makeup of the court? Because that's what all this fight is about. This is why people get so worked up about it. They're worried about, you know, it's going to move too far this way or that way. So they polled people, and the plurality of Americans felt that the court was just about right politically. 42% said it's about right. A third said too conservative. 
23% said too liberal. How would you uh, describe where the court was politically, is politically, and where it will be if Amy Coney Barrett gets on it? The court was moderately conservative, and it will become a little bit more conservative. But the problem is that that kind of question is is basically meaningless unless you're talking about what issue, what legal subject you're talking about. Because, you know, these justices have views about criminal law that differ from their views about civil law or contract law or property rights and things. And those just do not break down into any sensible conservative versus liberal axis. So... The court in general will be more more conservative than it was before. But really what you need to talk about is what specific issues uh, will the court change on. Right. It was interesting how you phrased the question, Jack, too, that uh, how will it be uh, now politically as opposed to judicially? And that is that is a thing that is smeared, whether intentionally or unintentionally, in the media, media that a, a liberal court could conceivably come up with I mean, a, an activist court could conceivably come up with outcomes that conservatives like politically and a very conservative judge that thinks, you know, all in all, we ought to stay out of most things might yield an outcome that uh, that liberal voters like. Um, how especially because especially because a lot of conservative judges kind of pride themselves on not using their political views in their judicial decisions. Justice Scalia, very famously so was of the view that, you know, at, when I take my position as a judge, it's my role to enforce the law as written, even if I disagree with that law. And they, they kind of take it as a badge of pride. So it really isn't fair to, to, to characterize the court in broad political terms for that reason. So uh, it's come up a bunch of times over the last couple of days that she is an originalist. What is an originalist? An originalist is a, a, a person who believes that the Constitution should be interpreted in terms of how it was meant or understood in the 1780s when it was written or in the 1860s when the amendments were passed or what have you, as opposed to the idea that the meaning of the Constitution's text changes somehow over time or that it's or that it is an abstraction, like a philosophical abstraction that a judge interprets in, in philosophical terms. So an, a written, there are different kinds of originalists. And so there are some who think that what's important is what the people per, individually thought when they sat down to write the Constitution in Philadelphia in 1787. And then there are others who say, no, what, what matters is what the average person would have believed the Constitution meant in the 1780s and so forth. So there are differences even within these, these groups of, of scholars. But in broad terms, an originalist is a person who thinks the Constitution means today what it meant when it was written. Is uh, is a textualist an originalist, or is there a difference? It, there are differences. Uh, okay, I mean, this it depends on who you ask. For example, I do not consider myself an originalist, but I do consider myself a textualist. What I mean by that is that I do think that the text obviously is what matters. When you're reading the Constitution, you have to understand what those words mean, not what you would like them to mean. What they mean now or what they meant at the time, because that can be different, can it? That's exactly the problem, exactly the problem. So an originalist says, well, it means what they meant at the time. And a a, a textualist does not necessarily think that. So, for instance, Justice Gorsuch, in the recent case about discrimination against uh, people who are married to members of the same sex, in the Bostock case, 
Justice Gorsuch is basically a libertarian. He ruled that the, the, the law does prohibit that kind of discrimination, even though nobody believed that at the time that that law was written. So that is a textualist argument as opposed to an originalist argument. He's not just making it up as he goes along, so he's not like a living constitution guy, but he doesn't think that the meaning of the law is created by the uh, historical fact of how it was written. Would the uh, you know not to get too far off on the Second Amendment, but would the uh, the, the the founders who liked the Second Amendment would they uh, believe that a person could own their own cannon? Because that would have been the most powerful <laughs> weapon you could owned in the world at the time. I think as a cannon. You know, I'm reminded uh, of uh, I had a professor who who from Russia when I was in college, and he we used to speak about this. He said he said you know yeah I I have friends in Switzerland who really do have tanks in their garages <laughs> because they're all members that are all you know required to serve in the military. It's not a big deal there. Uh, I think that the founding fathers would have thought that you have a right to possess firearms for self-defense, and then when it comes to something like a cannon, they would have said no. Okay. Interesting. Tim Sandifer's on the line from the Goldwater Institute talking about the Supreme Court in general and the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, positive, Sean, is now an appropriate time for your, your question? Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, just a point that I saw made on Twitter that I thought was interesting, and I, I would love to hear uh, your pushback against it. Um, uh, does an originalist, since the Constitution, and, m- and maybe the, this premise is wrong, only mentions an army and a navy, does that mean that the Air Force doesn't exist to a constitu- or an originalist, and if any rulings came ab- about that, they would have to say, well, it doesn't exist in the Constitution, therefore no funding for the Air Force or, or something like that? <laughs> Yeah, this is this is not at all a stupid question. So congratulations, congratulations, John. Yes. I respectfully disagree. No. You, but go on, Tim. In the case of squirrel versus acorn. <laughs> <laughs> so the the answer to that is if you are if you ask the best originalist sneakers out there, and that's people like Randy Barnett, is a professor at Georgetown. His answer would be, we're not looking at the specifics of what was written in the Constitution, but at the principles that they wrote into the Constitution. So the fact that they said the armed forces in the Constitution means that whatever is in, is designed as an armed force falls within what the Constitution was originally meant at the time. That, and maybe that's a persuasive argument. I actually don't think it's a persuasive argument for very sophisticated reasons we probably don't have to get, uh, get into. I, do, I think the Constitution clearly gives Congress the authority to create an Air Force, but not because that was in the minds of anybody in the 1780s. Okay. Does the Constitution, and this is more about Twitter than you, Sean, does the Constitution actually specifically mention the Army and Navy at all? Or just armed forces? Yes, it's, uh, it does. No, it says Army and Navy in, some, in one place, and it says uh, armed forces in another. Okay, mm-hmm. excellent. The Unconstitutional Air Force. I'll does it mention uh, <laughs> Elvis Costello's fabulous uh, album, Armed Forces, at all? That's in that's in the the, the Article Twelve. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what I thought. Let's get to where the rubber meets the road, or the sensible flats meet the uh, the black robe. In this case, mm-hmm. why has the Supreme Court become such a major part of American life in a way that it wasn't? as much in the past why is everybody so fevered about it the short answer is abortion the long answer is the new deal from the 1930s so that what all of this is about the politics of abortion because of the supreme court's decision roe versus wade in the 1970s and since that decision there's been a concentrated effort to get that decision overturned and part of that has been to elect presidents who are going to nominate supreme court justices who believe that the roe decision was wrongly decided now of course if Roe were overruled today, it would not ban abortion in the United States. 
it would mean that it was up to state Supreme Courts to decide whether their state constitutions protect abortion rights. And several states already have done so. California, uh, Kansas, all sorts of states have issued decisions saying it doesn't matter what happens at the U.S. Supreme Court. Abortion is a protected right at the state level. So that's the easy answer. But the long-term answer is that ever since the 1930s, Congress has been given such expansive powers, powers that the Constitution does not contemplate, that it's become a really important priority to make sure that nobody gets on the Supreme Court who starts to say, wait a minute, all this stuff that the federal government has gotten itself into and state governments also, in the past 80 years or so, there's no constitutional foundation for that. And it really conflicts with a lot of in the Constitution. So maybe we should rethink that. That would be very dangerous to lots and lots of bureaucrats and to lots and lots of people who get paid for not working from the federal government and, and state government. So they, it's very important that they prevent that from ever happening. So that's the, the and, and, you know, what has happened then is Congress passes these incredibly broad, incredibly vague laws, which then courts have to go in and figure out what they mean. So that means it's very important to control what goes on in the court. Isn't that a lot of it? I mean, that's what Senator Ben Sass com- keeps complaining about Congress not doing their job. They leave it so open-ended, and they want the court to deal with it so that they don't have to. That's exactly right, and, and he's totally right about that. And ever, of course, Congress has huge incentives to do that, right? Pass incredibly vague laws that, that look like a good thing, and then you can go home to your constituents and say, hey, look, I'm, I'm a great guy. I did this. Uh, I passed this great law. But it's so vaguely worded that there's no real downside at first. And then gradually, then it's the court's responsibility to figure out what these laws mean. And the court starts saying, well, gosh, this is a very good law. Well, by that time, you've passed the buck. By that time, you've already been reelected to Congress. So you don't have to worry about it. And if anything goes wrong, you can blame the judges. I have a, a final question, but first, uh, Tim, a glimpse into our lives. We, got the, we were talking about Ben Sass a great deal. We quoted him yesterday. Got this uh, note from Jerry. Ha ha, you said Ben's ass. Thank you, Jerry, for that contribution. <laughs> now, see, now, now, see, now, see, that is not a textualist interpretation. Of the thing. <laughs> All right, here is my closing two-headed monster of a question. What is the worst Supreme Court decision that has not been overturned? Uh, you can deal with that first if you like. That would be Jones and Laughlin Steel versus National Labor Relations Board, which is a 1937 case that basically said that every single employment contract in the country can be regulated by the federal government. Ugh. And, and secondly, did you watch any of the uh, confirmation hearing stuff yesterday? Oh, God, no. Actually, I, I watched about 30 seconds of it, but the problem is it's so horrible to watch when you are a lawyer and you care about these things because it's like watching a television channel that's devoted to nothing but filming children fighting at a school playground (laughs) no 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 that's not right because it would be more like children who refuse to go to school fighting on a playground right it's like watching csi with an actual cop they just spend the entire thing saying, oh, God. Well, that I love happen. how they made a big deal about the fact that, that, that she didn't have any notes on the desk in front of her. Like, what notes do you need to answer questions that stupid? Or questions that aren't even questions, these two- or three-minute-long monologues that these senators are giving that aren't even questions that have nothing to do with her. Well, it's clear you didn't watch yesterday. They got a half hour each, and some of the guys just droned on for an entire half hour and didn't even acknowledge the presence of the, the young woman there at the uh, the the table so, hey before we, before we run out of time do i remember correctly that you don't have a problem with uh uh just a simple majority for the senate to put 
Supreme Court justices on. You said it's not in the Constitution, so you don't have a problem with it. Am I right about that? Do I remember that? that? That's exact. Yes, that's right. And in fact, I I'm of the view that Supreme Court nominations ought to be more politicized than they are. I think it's a shame that nominees are coached never to answer substantive questions about their views of the law, and that we then place these people on the court when without really a clear idea of what they in, view the Constitution as meaning. And I and I think it would be healthier for our society if we had much more lengthy and more political debates over who gets put on the court and who doesn't. Interesting. So I, don't, just, I don't know how that would happen. Just but. understand, you're not saying, how would you decide this case more on w- w- what's your view of the Constitution, what's your philosophy, that sort of thing? I would even ask a justice or a nominee, what do you think that such and such a case ought to be overruled? What do you think about this legal precedent? I absolutely would do that. Yeah, and these are people who are going to have life tenure on the Supreme Court of the United States. We should know what their views are of the Constitution. And expanding the Supreme Court, how do you feel about going from 9 to 11 or 13 or whatever? Well, I think there, there's... There's no constitutional reason why you can't do it in terms of like the text, but it's a really bad idea. That's, that really is a, the, a road you go down that ultimately destroys the constitutional system and turns everything into politics. And if you think everything ought to be politics, then you're, you know, you have no reason to cherish the constitution. And the only reason to expand the, to pack the court, to expand the court and that sort of thing is because your program cannot be justified in constitutional terms. And so you're saying basically, well, I've invented a new place. I'm going to throw out the rule book. And that's, that's a really bad idea. Tim, the lawyer Sandifer, vice president for litigation, the Goldwater Institute. Uh, Tim, always enlightening. Thanks a million for the time. We'll talk again soon. Looking forward to it, guys. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Judy and I went uh, furniture shopping yesterday. Need a little furniture for a guest room. And uh, we stopped in one of those places that that has like handcrafted American furniture mm-hmm. first. And uh, oh my, I feel like, oh, here's a little drinking game. If you're listening to the podcast later on in the day or whatever, uh, take a drink every time Jack states or implies that I'm a bad person. I really okay? like well-made furniture. I get a kick out of it for some reason. I do too. Absolutely. But this place, American handcrafted furniture, if I were to outfit like a living room, dining room, and bedroom, it'd cost more than my first house did. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. It's so expensive. And I said to Judy a couple of times, I appreciate it's American made. I really do. And it's, it's of great quality. And I could hand it down to my kids and the rest of it. But good God, I can't spend this on a, a dining room table. I no, can't. I said I really like it and I think it's cool. I don't buy it. <laughs> so then I got we a went couple to the- of things like that, but not many. We went to one of the cheapo places, and I felt like, you know, we were looking at the bedroom set for our guest room because our furniture in there is just terrible. It's just embarrassing. And uh, and uh, some of the cheap stuff, I feel like I could pull it apart like King Kong. Oh, just yeah. Roar, and just to smash it. So that's a little cheap. So we went kind of semi-cheap. So if you ever come to my house and stay in my guest room, no, we just, we, we pretty much cheaped out on you. It's, it's not expensive. But we bought a number of things fairly recently that, I think they're designed to be used as furniture, but they seem like they're designed to be staging furniture for a home you're showing to not actually use it for anything because you. Oh God! Don't open the drawers! Don't open! No, it's like a movie set. (laughs) Right? It's it's completely fake. But anyway, so the point of this is, we go to, we finally find uh, like the the most expensive thing in the cheapo store. I figured that was a a, a sweet spot, and uh, we go to check out, and the gal who is doing the paperwork. 
I've not run into this before. She had very ample bosoms. Okay. Way to check out the rack on the salesperson, Joe, and with your wife there. Just well, she's fantastic. like there in front of Oh, take a drink, everybody. So um <laughs> so she's sitting there with a low cut blouse and her enormous bosoms. Oh my now, god. Here, here's you the having problem. a good time, Joe? Here's the problem. She had like a jewel placed right between her bosoms like where you would tuck a pen or lipstick or something she had a shiny jewel right there hmm. so why does any woman wear any jewelry so it's looked at and so she's got this shiny bauble right between her her her, her tatas and i'm thinking now i get cuz it kept catching my eye it's shiny, it's sparkly, and I'm like, ah, ah. That is a decent question. Why would you? Is there a name for that kind of jewelry? Is it called a necklace? Boob bobbles or a boobless? It's a necklace. But but if it's way down actually between your, because I've seen those. They're way down in the cleavage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But I've are those designed? Are you supposed to look wild. at them? Are you supposed to pretend they're not there? And if I, if you don't, if nobody looks at it, then what is the, what is the, what's the point of wearing it? Yeah. I mean, I'm a raving, flaming heterosexual man. I appreciate women on every level. I'd like to think, uh, but I don't want to be a pig. I'm not Andrew Cuomo over here. And so I just, what, what, ladies, if you wear that, what, what do you expect people to do? Stare at your boobs. If you or say least, nice necklace, is that like? But it got nothing to do with her neck. That's true. Um, what do you call like it's a brooch? Is there a name nice for that? Boob brooch. Text, ma'am? text line four one five two nine five KFC. Nice boob brooch, ma'am. Try that next time, and then you'll have another story for the radio. Very attractive. How does that uh, stay in place? Is that just the uh, just your uh, mm-hmm, yeah? Mm, that's nice. That's great. Very classy. Armstrong and Getty. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why GameBridge offers the parity flexibility. Annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. GameBridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at GameBridge.io. Visit GameBridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.